0: Okay, so uh today we're uh, we're going to take a little step out of the normal routine on Sunday. And we actually are going to take a look at uh the Gospel of Mark. It, it, the the title of the Bible study is Realistic Discipleship According to St. Mark. And um so if we uh I'll I'll if anyone has a Bible, that'd be great. I have a Bible, but um well, I suppose I'll be reading things. All right, so first of all, discipleship. What is discipleship? Anybody have any idea what discipleship is? Spreading the word? Spreading the word. That's a little too Christianese for me. <laughs> I don't know what that means, spreading the word. No, no, I, 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 often, I often like to, to keep it as simple as possible. What is discipleship? Marilyn? Following a leader. Following a leader. Bam, following. That's, that's real simple. Uh, discipleship, according to Mark, is following. Now, of course, the only one who's really asking someone to follow them is Jesus. So if you're following Jesus. You're listening first, listening to what he says. Then you're speaking to what he says, speaking what he says and, and doing what he says. All right. Uh, but following isn't easy. In the Gospel of Mark, we find out that following is not easy. The guys who follow, who are given the job of spreading the word, as Wayne, Wayne said, the twelve, the twelve disciples, twelve apostles, in the Gospel of Mark, never get it. So you have the, the kind of the inner circle with Jesus, and they don't ever get it. Meaning, like they don't they don't understand what Jesus is saying. It's like Rush Hour. Has anybody ever seen that movie? Or Rush Hour Two? <laughs> or th- what's the third one again? All right, Rush Hour 3, I th- I'm assuming I've seen it, because I, I, fi- I find that uh, uh, Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker funny. But um, uh, Rush Hour 3, they got a little saying. They say, uh, so it's, it's about a, uh, is he Los Angeles? Los Angeles Police Department? I don't know, he's Chris Tucker, he's an American policeman, and uh, Jackie Chan is a, is a Chinese policeman, and there's some cultural differences. And Chris Tucker... I can't remember this character's name. Presumes since he's coming from China that he does not speak English. Well, of course Jackie Chan does. So he starts talking to him, and all of a sudden Chris Tucker says, "Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth?" And that that's that's like all three movies is like a little, "Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth?" Well, Jesus with the twelve disciples, I envision him saying, "Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth?" And they might understand the words meaning, like, you know, they're not, like, complex, like, you know, theological jargon. They're very simple, but they do not, in fact, understand what he is saying. So, following isn't easy, uh, but the thing is, though, following isn't exclusive either. All right, so, in the Gospel of Mark, as with all the Gospels, but um, in Mark you have a bunch of people, Jairus, Bartimaeus, you have one of the scribes. You have the centurion Joseph Ar- 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 Arimethea. You have women, uh, which is is unusual given that cultural context, but that's beside the point. And then um, you have a crowd. You have a crowd who's following Jesus. And there's just too many passages to list. So um, now the thing is, though, is that the uh, as you f- read these passages. Um, well, there's, there's about 22 passages about these characters who are not the 12 who are following Jesus. I didn't write that down. but So this is compare and contrast. You have the 12 inner circle, right? Peter and Andrew, James and John, Matthew. You have these 12 who are just always with Jesus. And then as you read it, though, you have all these other characters who are following Jesus, but we only see kind of a short little bit of uh, just a snapshot into this life of discipleship. Well, the reason why that is is because Mark is actually making a picture or a tapestry, all right? So there's 22 passages that kind of form a composite of what it means to follow Jesus in the Gospel of Mark, at least 22. And there's kind of three little scenarios. You have people who come and ask Jesus for some help. Then you have, like, positive examples, like Bartimaeus would be one of those. Blind Bartimaeus, Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem on uh, Palm Sunday. And Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, is you know crying out, Lord, have mercy on me. That's where we get the Kyrie from. And, uh, and then Jesus heals him. And Bartimaeus follows along his way. And the way in the Gospel of Mark means the path that Jesus is walking. There's no, like... The way is being like, eh, just up the way there. The way is technical in, in Mark. So it means Bartimaeus actually is following Jesus in his footsteps as he enters into Jerusalem. And then you have these strugglers, which I call realistic examples. Because Bartimaeus is completely unrealistic. Or I should say it is unusual. See, it's not unrealistic because it actually happened. But um, you have these strugglers. Now, the thing is, though, as you, get, you find out, no one's excluded from following Jesus, but no one is protected from failing. Okay? Now, when I say failing, I don't mean failing, hey, you're out of the club, but I mean tripping, falling, landing on your face, remember, the following picture, or getting lost. All right. So this is important because uh, we're working our way up to the rich man. Okay? I'm trying to make a tapestry here. So Mark portrays Jesus' fallible followers as a composite, includes the disciples, the crowd, women, certain exceptional individuals like Bartimaeus, and and Joseph of of Arimathea. That's a whole other very interesting thing. Joseph of Arimathea, we find out he's looking for the kingdom of God. And what does he get? I mean, it's later on in Mark. Yo well, oh, the body of Christ, that is not coincidental. The body of Christ is the kingdom of God. Okay, but that's kind of interesting. All right, so, uh, so whoever takes up his or her cross, whoever does the will of God. So you, you have this, you know, it's a composite, includes all these people who take up or his or her cross and does the will of God. Only by such a composite and complex images, image of followers is Mark able to communicate clearly and powerfully the twofold message. Anyone can be a follower, and no one finds it easy. Okay. Excellent. Now, there is also, I'll, I'll maybe mention this a little bit later, but there are also other people following Jesus. Now Again, we have to just think literally. Who else is following Jesus? Well, we already said Women. The Pharisees. Now, you might say, Pastor, they're not following Jesus. Well, they literally are following Jesus because wherever Jesus is, there seems to be some Pharisees around. Okay, so that's important. All right? So Mark, as a gospel writing, is writing in such a way that's somewhat, uh, this is a narrative. So you have, you know, kind of certain kind of characters. So Pharisees obviously would be kind of a negative example. Then you have a peculiar little bit, and that's Jesus' family. Now in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus' family are a kind of a strange bunch. Because they call Jesus crazy. And um he doesn't know what he's doing. Alright, so we have to figure out like where does where do these family people belong? Do they belong with the Pharisees or with this composite? And frankly. I don't know. They're kind of, they're kind of just weird. Okay? Um, I say that because as we get to the rich young man, we have our choices where to put this rich young man. Okay? This kind of faithful followers, the Pharisees, or the family bit. Okay. All right. But what we get find out, though, is, is that the kingdom of God is open to everybody. And it's not, it's not easy. Okay. All right, so now we get to the rich young man in Mark chapter 10, 17 through 31, and that's what we're going to take a look at. All right. Now, some people might say that this story is told in Matthew and Luke, but I, I would say that it's it's not quite the same story, okay? This is part of Bible interpretation. Uh, remember, you've got to put yourself back into, like, the first century, when this Bible, this book was written, um, it's not like that. You know, they didn't come with the Bible; they came with just Mark. And this is read in amongst the worshiping community. So they go to church, they hear Mark. All right, whatever Mark has to say, he's going to say in the Gospel of Mark. So as you interpret Mark, in order to really understand Mark as Mark is, it's best to keep everything within Mark. Primarily speaking. Does that make sense? So if you don't go to Matthew. You don't go to John. You don't go to Paul. You don't. In order to understand Mark. The only place you could go legitimately is where? Did someone say the Old Testament? Yes. The Old Testament. Because, you know, that would that would actually be in, in the worshiping community. Now, you could, you could, not to get too technically here, but you could argue that there might be, oh, there might be another gospel lying around. There could be. But could be he's not, you know, not so much fun to depend upon. For sure, is probably better to depend upon. So anyways, I say that because as we read this passage, we might think, oh, hey, this didn't really happen in Matthew this way or Luke this way. That's okay. It didn't. That's right. I don't want those stories to influence what Mark is saying. Okay. All right, so let's read this. So as as Jesus was setting out on his journey, remember the way, discipleship, okay, a man ran up. When do you run up to people? You got something to say? I mean, you're, 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 this is important. You run up, you know, you could be excited, you could be angry, I mean, whatever, you're you kind of filled with passion. Okay. And if you know anything about the prodigal's father, prodigal's son, you know, running in this time, especially for a, well, we'll, we'll find out that he's rich. It's kind of, that's a big deal. Okay. And knelt before him. When do you kneel before Jesus? When do you want to, what, test him? Screw him? No. That's right. Petition, prayer, forgiveness. Okay, so you have a man who runs up and gets down on his knees. What are we presuming about this man? He's humbling himself. He's coming with good intentions. I mean, faithful intentions. And that's what I would argue here. Okay. And asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, whether his question is correct or not, I mean, how many of us ask questions that are probably not so great, but well-intentioned? Okay. Thank you very much. Everybody in this room should raise their hand. Okay, so I think some people see this question, what do I do to in- inherit eternal life? Well, you can't do anything to inherit, right? The, the, the parent gives up whatever they're going to give up. I mean, it's, I mean, you could be a good son, but as often as I find out, sometimes, you know, it doesn't matter who does well or does bad, they all get the same. So anyways, regardless of, if you want to be critical of that question, I, I don't think it's best to read into the question. Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. So he's recounting the Ten Commandments to him. Um, and he said to him, well, teacher, all these I've kept from my youth. Of course, we're good Lutherans. And if we learned our small catechism, the Ten Commandments are what? What, what, what we kind of learn. the Ten Commandments are there to show what? our guilt our sin well that would you would be a good lutheran but you wouldn't be a good jew cuz in the old testament the commandments or the torah is what we desire like this is something we long after for so for him to say these i've kept for my youth is not he's not necessarily saying i'm pretty awesome okay he's basically saying what any any faithful Uh, Hebrew at that time should say This is what this is what I want to do. This is what I I, I've been trying to do since my youth I've been doing since my youth All right, and this is where this is where it gets very interesting. So Jesus looks at him and what? Loves him I I would argue this is the distinguishing factor Between Matthew and Luke and the retelling of these stories. This is the this is this is different Jesus loves him. Now, of course, Jesus loves everybody, I understand. But when G- when the Bible makes a special note of it, you should say, whoa, wait a second. What's going on here? That means something. Okay? Also, just as a side, in Matthew and Luke, it actually says the rich man comes up to test Jesus. It doesn't say that here. Okay, so, but I the I want to put the emphasis on Jesus and not the dude. So, um, I have, uh, so Jesus looks at him, loved him, and said to him, so, Jesus says this not because he wants to damn him to hell. You know, because Jesus, it, it, some people think it's Jesus' job to make you feel bad. You got to feel bad in order to be a follower of Jesus. So, Jesus is going to say this to make him feel bad. I don't think. What kind of love is that, first of all? I love you so much, Byron. You're unfaithful. That makes zero sense, but that's how we project on Jesus in this passage. A lot of people do. So Jesus is loving him by saying what he's going to say. The heart of God, love, grace, mercy, compassion, all that stuff is going on when Jesus says what he says. You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. All right. Before we get to the next verse, so Jesus asks this man to follow him. Every other place in the Gospel of Mark where Jesus asks someone to follow him, guess what they do? They follow him. So either this is an example of someone rejecting Jesus's call of discipleship, which could be. Or, this is a very unique call to discipleship. The next verse. All right, uh, Dave, when do you get when do you, when do you feel sorrow? Something doesn't work. When do you feel like disheartened? Yeah, fail. Very good job, failing. Uh, but Byron actually did a good job. When you work at something? So failing doesn't always mean. Lack of trying. Lack of effort. Okay. So this young man, what happens to him? He's disheartened, and he's sorrowful. He's not mad at Jesus. He's not, he doesn't think what Jesus says is actually wrong. He actually sees, he's sad. This guy is a sad man. He is not full of himself. This guy is a broken person right now. Okay. Think about what Jesus does with broken people. What does he do? He heals them. Okay. All right, we got a very interesting little picture here, don't we? We have a rich young man. Well, we actually don't know if he's young, but uh, tradition says that he was probably a young man, but... um, You can't really. Well, you could maybe make that argument, but uh, we have this rich guy who comes up, gets down on his knees. He 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 wants to. He wants. He he actually goes to Jesus. Why does he go to Jesus? Because he thinks Jesus knows what the way to yeah eternal life. Okay. I would tell everyone in this room who you're going to run to to find eternal life. Jesus, okay, so this guy is coming up to Jesus. He wants to know, he wants to hear, he wants to receive from Jesus, and what he receives from Jesus is too much. It, is, it blows his mind, and it also blows his heart. And he runs away, I mean, he, does, he walks away, sorrowful and disheartened. Now, is this the last time we see this young man? Well, let's find out. All right. Well, let's just keep reading the passage. real. So Jesus looks around and says to his disciples how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. This is not a judgment. This is a real statement. And the disciples were amazed at his words. Amazed. When do you get amazed, Dan? You just can't believe it. Something crazy happens. Holy smokes. And if we were to look at the Gospel of Mark, people are amazed in other parts of the Gospel of Mark. Anybody kind of maybe remember maybe a time where people are amazed? Uh, yeah, but well not in the Gospel of Mark, but yes. That's not in the Gospel of Mark either. No, not in the resurrection. Oh, good job. It's teaching. People are like, whoa, what's what's going on here? Holy smokes, I've never heard anything like this. The other thing was is when he not raises him from the dead, but he heals the paralyzed man. People are amazed. Okay, anyways, so, uh, so when you hear this amaze, you're thinking, oh, hey, these are all these, these fits within these other circumstances. All right, so this is just outside the realm of human knowledge, in a sense. Jesus is dropping a nuclear bomb on them. Ba-boom! Which means, then, that they have a certain sense of piety where the rich man is, what, first in line. They're like, whoa, you mean that guy is not first in line on his way to heaven? Okay. Uh, Oh, yeah, Byron. That could be, yeah, so Byron says, um, could, so he's got a lot of stuff. Could he be a- adding just more theological stuff, in a sense, to, to what he already thinks is his, his being blessed? What's that? Him, a trade, not a gift. A trade, not a gift. That, that could be, however, again, this man is working under a certain piety that believes a certain thing. And that even though this, so this man could be well-intentioned, but completely What? Just completely wrong, okay, all right, so hang on so so yeah, that could be i I don't think so though, yeah, okay, oh i I mean, oh, by the way, this is a working theory, by the way. I threw some of those Bible reference down there if you want to go and check them out. I'm very willing, I want it to be this way, but i'm not I can't say for certain, and if you hang around with Pastor Nelson enough, you'll realize i i I have a lot of questions. So the disciples were, okay, so children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Without getting into the cultural context there, it's just hard, right? Um, it's, oh, and they were exceedingly astonished. Again, this, this bit here. And he said to them, oh, uh, they said to him, well, who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Remember discipleship is open to who everybody including the rich man it's so easy for us to kind of condemn the rich man here yeah but maybe jesus is actually showing us just exactly how the kingdom is open to everybody okay uh peter began to say to him oh we've left everything and followed you Right, Jesus? Look at me, man. We're awesome. Okay. So, Peter's a foil to the rich man. The rich man comes with true piety, and Peter thinks, sweet, awesome. I'm first in line now. Look at it. I just left everything. I'm first in line. Now, that's actually, uh, I shouldn't say that. Peter is, I think he's working things out right here. Um. Jesus says, truly I say to you, those who have left house, brother, sister, mother, father, children, lands for my sake and for the gospel will receive a hundredfold. Now, in this time, that's important, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, and then what does it say? With persecutions, Peter might be like kind of going, hey, let me think here. That's where he's kind of stepping back up. I mean, if I was making a movie. All right. Um, and in the, age, uh, in the age to come, eternal life. So, in order to receive, there's going to be a large struggle beforehand. Before eternal life comes, there will become struggle. Persecutions, Jesus says. Okay. what's the, Which young man looking for again? Eternal life? What does Jesus give him? Persecutions or struggles or sorrows before before eternal life. Okay. And in the age to come. But many who are first will be last and last first. I don't know if I'm actually following the outline here. So, um. Okay. So many who are first will be last. So the rich man you think is going to be the last man to get into heaven. He's left. He's out of here. Where is he going? Let's find out. All right, there's another rich man in the gospel, Mark, 14, 51, and 52. This is also the Bible passage that a lot of eighth grade boys want for their confirmation verse. I'm looking at you over there. When Nolan comes around, I'm not accepting this one. Um, I know the Ferrer's are gone this weekend, so um Um Well, anyways, Jonathan, their middle child, he wanted this for their his confirmation verse, but I I encourage him to change it. Now those who might not know this, you better buckle up. Mark fourteen, fifty one, fifty two. And a young man followed Jesus, following with nothing but a linen cloth about his body. And they, that means the the guards, the the soldiers, seized him, and he left the linen cloth and ran away, naked. There is a holy, holy streaker in the Gospel, Mark. Now this, yes, Michael. Well, yeah, tradition says that uh, so back in the old days, the author of the 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 text wouldn't like say, "Hey, I'm like the guy." They but they would insert themselves in the text, in the story, and so tradition says that this is actually John Mark, uh, you know, Saint Mark. I I would yes, that I, that's what I believe, but I, you know, I can't prove it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So, but I think that's sweet though, right? Wouldn't that be cool? Talk about no shame. It was, yes, thank you, Krista. It was nighttime. <laughs> it was under the cover of darkness. It's always a little little easier to streak at night. Every young man in college knows what I'm talking about. Okay. Okay, anyways, so we have another man. Now, how do I know he's rich? He's got linen cloth. Back then, linen was a very expensive item, your typical person would not have it. A rich man has linen cloth, okay? That's like rich man underwear. All right. So, um, but now the thing is, though, wh- well, it's, it's a robe. It's the whole nine yards. I mean, no, no, it, uh, I, what would I call that? I would call I'm more like a boxer, I guess. I don't know. Okay, anyways. <sighs> So Pastor going could be like, "Hey, you know, how did Sunday go? Okay, good, excellent. what did you guys talk about? Ancient underwear? No, no. Okay, so the uh uh uh. So what does he have now, though? At the end of uh verse fifty-two, he has, he's got nothing. Okay, so we have another rich man in the gospel who has nothing. Could it be? That this rich man didn't leave the scene in chapter 10, but actually went to the end of the line of discipleship. I would say, yeah, I think that's exactly where he went. He went to the back of the line. He thought he was first, but now he's last. But what happens to the last? Okay. Turn to Mark 16, 1 through 8. Well, actually just verse 5, but 1 through 8. Um, and this is another reason, uh, uh, the resurrection account is another reason why we like to just, I would uh, encourage everybody to not use the other Gospels to interpret, uh, not as your primary move in interpretation, because um, the resurrection in the Gospel of Mark is very peculiar. And some people just can't believe it. There's no angels in the gospel, Mark, of the resurrection. I think we went over this a few years ago. Um, it's just a it's a young guy. Now, the word for young man in the gospel of Mark, chapter 14, 51, 52, is exactly the same word that's used in the resurrection account. And guess how many times that word appears in the gospel of Mark? Actually, just two. 14 and 16. Um. This is why in chapter 10, your uh, well, the ESV has a subheading that says a rich young man, although it, the, the the word young man is actually not used in the text. The kind of rationale that we think it's a young man is because this guy is... Um, it, the questions he's asking. So you think about a young college guy. What am I going to do with my life? Now, of course, in today's society people ask that you know forever but um back in this day only young like young men, well young men basically would have that luxury okay but again that's like michael's question it's kind of open for debate we don't know exactly the age of the person okay all right so um oh uh before we get to mark 60 i'm sorry so so the guy runs away naked and then the story is taken over by Jesus entirely. From, you know, verse 52, 1452 on, it's all Jesus. And Mark does that on purpose because uh, now is the time where only Jesus can be working right now. Okay? No other person can do this stuff. Only Jesus. So this man... Runs away naked. So think about it this way. You're watching a movie. Naked guy runs out. Camera pans back. Boom. Right into Jesus. And the camera never leaves Jesus. Until he's put into the tomb. All right. So uh, this is, uh, so how how will you inherit eternal life? Well, you will inherit eternal life when Jesus gives you eternal life. But in order for Jesus to have the authority To give eternal life, he must die and rise again. Okay? So that's what this story is happening right now. Jesus loved the rich man. Jesus dies for the rich man. So the love of Jesus in Mark 10 is all pervasive. I mean, it is all consuming. When Jesus loves somebody, he loves them to the end. And it's a very powerful image in the Gospel of Mark because this love changes people. And I think it changes this young man. So now we Mark 16, verse 5. We don't have two angels in the tomb. We don't have a gardener. We don't even have Jesus in the resurrection. Weird. But we do have a young man. Uh, So the ladies enter into the tomb. They saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. Okay, so we have another young man, but is he dressed in linen anymore? Negatory. He's in a white robe. Who dresses in white robes? Angels, heavenly people, holy people, pure people. He's not, so, But it's important that Mark, Mark is not about angels right now. He's about people. He's about you, realistic discipleship. So we have a young man who, at first glance, seems to fail at being a disciple of Jesus. But this minor character in the Gospel of Mark, he would be the one and only example of a minor character failing in discipleship. So either he's a one-off, or there's more to the story than just chapter 10. I would argue there's more to the story than chapter 10. Because you have a young man who comes back, and guess where he's at? He's sitting at the right hand of God, which is the seat of... The seat of Jesus, seed of eternal life. Where he was last in the Gospel of Mark, where, where is he now? He's first. He's first in the resurrection. And the call to discipleship. Does he actually give up everything? Absolutely. But what does he actually have? Everything. He's sitting in the right hand of God right there. Holy smokes. Okay? So what we find out in, in the Gospel of Mark is discipleship is very realistic. I, I think a lot of us have this, especially when we get into kind of uh, conversion stories with maybe adult conversions. Oh, hey, I was a drug dealer. I, you know, I heard the Gospel message. Now I'm clean. That, that actually happens. I mean, we see that in the Gospel of Mark. There are these people who just, bam, holy smokes. They turn turn around, but we also see, and more commonly, we see people who struggle with what Jesus says. They want what Jesus says. They want to be a disciple so much, and it's so hard, and so the rich man gives us a really interesting picture that Jesus' love never lets you go. It keeps working on you. It keeps gnawing at you. It keeps talking to you, telling you, follow me, follow me, follow me. But of course, you're going to follow Jesus not according to your own terms, but according to Jesus' terms. So, um, uh, so the call of discipleship is immediate, but the response takes a long time. And if anybody who's been a Christian a long time, you know that. What seems impossible actually can happen in this lifetime. That's another wonderful thing about this story. Is that when Jesus says, "Sell all your possessions, give to the poor, follow me," you're like, "Okay, whatever." But it actually happens. It actually happens. So the crazy things that God is saying to you, and you're like, "I'm," you know, maybe it's just, you know, maybe it's just kind of talking. Uh, I always get the math term and this word wrong. Hyperbola. He's hyperbole. Think hyperbola is the math thing, right? Hyperbole. All right, never mind. See, my wife will tell you that I have problems pronouncing things. Okay, hyperbole. Oh, he's you know. Oh, he's just—he's not serious. Can't be serious. What if Jesus actually is serious? And then your next question is, well, can that actually happen? That sounds like who? Well, who can be saved? Hey, with you, it's impossible. With God. Nothing is impossible. All right, so we actually see it happen now. We see God's love radically change this man over time to get to the point where he is where God wants him. So uh, uh, so giving up in discipleship, what's interesting is discipleship does require us to give up stuff. Just does. And what we see, what we first seems to be at a loss In the end, turns out to be what? Yeah, a gain. So, and and, and obviously this is a Lenten theme, right? So when we talk about giving up stuff, you know, I mean, even if it's chocolate or whatever, some of these things that, you know, might seem a little bit trite, they're they're not trite. Because it's all part of the discipline. Of reorienting your life around Jesus's love, even that love that cares enough to say, "You know what? You're going to have to do something special." Uh, the disciples in the crowds offer a tapestry of fallible followers. Oh, by the way, who's 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 fallible here? Oh, perfect. Okay, oh, this is oh, so. This is for us. Okay, excellent. Where the minor characters offer a tapestry of faithfulness. So what's it? So we have these minor characters who are like, holy smokes, these great stories gives us a little hope. Then we have the disciples, and then you have the crowds who are kind of like in and out of all these things. But you take them together, and it really portrays a realistic and hopeful vision for you following Jesus. Um, so taken together, the Gospel of Mark demonstrates that discipleship isn't a complete failure or a complete success, but rather a realistic journey made up of day to day. Decisions. Um, yeah, this is this is probably one of my favorite Bible passages because, um, I don't know, I, I mean, whether you, don't admit it, but just think about yourself and what has Jesus asked you to do that you just are like putting off? You're like, I can't do that. You crazy? Um, I think about it uh, mainly for my children. I think parents do that a lot. 'Cause uh I think I think one of the hardest calls as a parent is to give up your children. Now what is that? I mean, I'm just gonna play that out a little bit. So you um sometimes your children are gonna do crazy things, but they're good. Like uh become a pastor. Oof, don't do that. Or or your children are going to do, I don't know, study anthropology in college. Why are you going to do that? Do you know what kind of job you're going to get? I know parents know better. But on a certain level, there comes a point in time where you have to give up your children. And that's a scary thing for parents. Because we love them. We want to protect them. We We want to protect them from making bad choices. Okay? But... Uh, we don't know what God's going to do with them. So, anyways, I, th- I think there's a certain time in all of our lives where God asks us to give up something and it seems like it's just too much. And what seems to be an initial failure actually is just a simple first step towards getting into the end of the line and figuring things out as you walk along. It's not, you're not leaving the scene, you're not exiting the stage. You're coming back. So um, so I think that's the discipleship of the Gospel of Mark. In uh, the in the one cherry on the top of this is that we find this on the Gospel of Mark in verse 8, where these women are told to go to the disciples and tell those disciples to go back to Galilee. And if we take the shorter ending, which I would argue is thematically better, but um, we don't know if they go tell them but we know they do cuz we're here. So, um anyway, so that's that's a realistic vision I think of discipleship according to the gospel of Mark. I think it's it's a it's something that happens all the, uh every day, day by day. Um and it's never perfect. But cuz Jesus loves us, we have great hope that his love will prevail. Any questions? Maybe like one Yep. on this young Cuz we don't want to be rich cuz if we're rich then we might have to do what he says and if he's a bad guy then I'm not like him. Whew! I'm off the hook. you know I, I we might have to talk afterwards. No. Uh, yeah. No, that's exactly right. Now, I. I it, sometimes, though, is the. I guess I got Is the um the reality that yeah we might not have a Ferrari or Lamborghini, but I mean let, let's give let's give a real harsh fact. If you have a car. Oh, I, this is great. Women's Bible study. We did the the global rich list, right? Do you remember that? Uh, I can't remember what number I put. it. I put the uh, the the line of poverty in the United States, in the global rich list, and I think you were still in the top ten percent. Are the world's wealthiest people. Now, of course, you're going to say, "Well, all that you know, the cost of living is higher in here." Okay, but that doesn't mean you're not—you don't got stuff. That still means you got stuff, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Yes. Exactly. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Yes, for better or for worse. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for saying that. Oh, absolutely. Okay, good. Thank you, Jonathan. Jonathan. That's right. Okay, but Jonathan, great job. Uh, Thank you for saying that because I I meant to say that. Okay. Did they receive all these good things in this life? They did. It's in the church. All of us here right now, whether we care to believe it or not or live that way, we're all brothers and sisters, mothers. We're fathers to each other. And guess what? We have houses. This is your house. Well, it's the father's house, but, you know, it's your house too. Okay. But – um. So, yeah, Jonathan, good. Thank you so much for doing that. So this is true. That's true. You might not, you know, again, it might be hard to accept that, but. Dan. That's what I would argue. Not everyone believes that, though. Yeah, but, you know, it's okay. Okay. I think thematically you can make the argument because minor characters in the Gospel Mark portray a certain way. That was that was a very quick literary narrative narrative exegesis. Okay, let's go. Uh, We pray, Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come.